Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. I, like so many of you, I'm sure, have wondered what it would be like to be entertained in a real English country house. To be part of an elegant dinner party, or better yet, spend an entire weekend wandering between breakfasts on beautiful china, dinners in black tie, and afternoon teas with fine pastry and the best silver, all in the presence of the most witty and erudite guests. Well, all of that is just such a lovely thought. And I used to imagine that kind of thing, you know, the kind of thing that we see in so many period dramas. But of course, so much of that world has disappeared in one way or another. Real English country house entertaining in style, at least today, is actually much simpler than it once was. And even if you don't have a 17th century estate, it's something that we can create in some of our more modest homes and gardens. The principles of good interior design and good entertaining have certainly not dimmed with time. Rather than having to have an ancestral pile of your own and relying on an army of staff to pull it all off, and keeping your dinner clothes always pressed in at the ready, it's really more about bringing a few essential ingredients of good entertaining together to make the occasion. Today, we are celebrating two American-born women— Nancy Lancaster and Nancy Astor, who, in the early 20th century, after moving their lives to England, challenged old British style and created something new. And what they created with their spirit, sense of style, and ingenuity is what allows us to carry on their vision today in our own very modern lives. In the early years of the 1900s and up into the 1920s and 1930s, Nancy Lancaster and her aunt, Nancy Astor, brought together tradition and style from the American South to blend it with the classic British taste and tradition to create elements of good country house-inspired entertaining. Today's English country house style can be translated as a style of gracious, hospitable living combining an aesthetic of elegantly, simply focused interior design, light-infused rooms filled with freshly cut flowers, comfortable furniture covered in bright, often floral prints, one's favorite objects scattered around, family photographs and mementos, and of course, surrounded by that perfect mix of guests sitting down to meals of tasteful, interesting dishes from one's own family history, as well as inspired from one's own travels. Add a good dose of stimulating and witty conversation and stir. This show celebrates the style and hospitality of English country house living from its grandest days and how that's been transformed for us today. We'll also look at both Nancy Lancaster and Nancy Astor, forever known as the Two Nancys, who, at slightly different times and in slightly different ways, made an enormous impact on the social and even political elite of the early 20th century and set some standards for more modern times. 
My guests today, Emily Astor and Jane Churchill, are descendants of Nancy Astor and Nancy Lancaster. They both knew their famous relatives and grew up in the world of the two Nancys, entertaining lords and ladies, prime ministers, writers, artists, and queens in the great settings of some of England's grandest houses, including the magnificent centuries-old estate of Cliveden, which sits overlooking the River Thames in Buckinghamshire. While much of that world is gone today, it is Emily and Jane's memories and intimate knowledge of their forebears' style that helps us grasp even a little bit of it now. Emily and Jane have just written a wonderful new book, Entertaining in Style, published by Rizzoli and available wherever books are sold. Entertaining in Style combines memory, history, and recipes, all illustrated by historic family photographs and special lush color photography, taking us into the dining rooms and drawing rooms and the gardens of Cliveden to show us just how great English entertaining in style is done. Hello, I'm Carl Raymond, the host of the Gilded Gentleman History Podcast, where every two weeks I take you behind the velvet curtains and beneath the glitter and the gold to share with you aspects light and dark of America's Gilded Age, France's Belle Epoque, and England's late Victorian and Edwardian periods. Nancy Lancaster was born American toward the end of the 1890s in the waning years of the Great Gilded Age. Her roots were pure Southern. She was born at the family estate of Mirador, an 1840s red-brick grand estate surrounded by dogwood and honeysuckle with views of sweeping lawns, horses, and the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Although her first marriage to an heir of the great Marshall Field fortune failed, she moved her life to England. Through a second marriage to Englishman and Member of Parliament Ronnie Tree, she entered into the heart of British society. After another divorce, and with her third marriage, she became Nancy Lancaster. Her charm, directness, and equestrian skills helped her navigate the British social structure. She never forgot the grace and hospitality of her upbringing at Mirador, and brought as much as she could into the great English homes in which she was to live herself— the 18th century manor Kelmarsh Hall in Northamptonshire, Ditchley Park in Oxfordshire, which sat on formal royal hunting grounds, and finally Hazley Court near Oxford. Her design sense was intuitive, and she relied on a natural sensibility that she had known since childhood. She began to work out her design ideas in each house, and while not professionally trained, she used her keen eye to creatively reimagine the centuries-old spaces. A great garden is part of good English architectural design, and Nancy worked tirelessly to develop and maintain the gardens at Kelmarsh, Ditchley, and Hazley throughout her life in England, and her work has been preserved today. When the opportunity presented itself, she took over the British interior design firm Colfax & Fowler in 1944. Inspired by designer John Fowler as her business partner, she began to revolutionize British interior design on a professional scale. Her approach was to combine an American sense of comfort, warm, southern, gracious living with the tradition and heritage she found in the great country estates of Britain. Her work became the trademark English country house look. Nancy Lancaster's aunt, also named Nancy, began life as Nancy Langhorn and grew up at the Virginia estate of Mirador. She and her sisters became known as the famous Langhorn sisters, noted for their beauty, southern charm, and sense of hospitality. 
The Mirador estate of the Langhorne family was infused with the warm, exuberant personality of Nancy's father, Chiswell, known to all as Chili. One of Nancy's sisters, Irene, married Charles Dana Gibson, the illustrator who created the image of the late 19th century Gilded Age beauty, the Gibson Girl. After an unsuccessful marriage to Gilded Age Bostonian Robert Shaw, this Nancy married Waldorf Astor, a scion of the great American Astor Fortune now living in England whom she had met by chance aboard ship crossing to America. The once Nancy Langhorne became Viscountess Astor at the death of Waldorf's father in 1919. Nancy Astor and her husband Waldorf were given the grand 17th century estate of Cliveden by his father as a wedding present. As her niece, Nancy Lancaster, was to do in the coming years, Nancy Astor began to organize a great home and infuse it with the style, comfort, and sense of hospitality she too had known in her years growing up at Mirador. In addition to her gracious entertaining and deep sense of humor, Nancy Astor was also known for her sharp wit. The British elite were charmed, if they were willing to admit it. These women were smart, cultured, strong, and determined, and also could certainly generate debate. And in fact, Nancy Astor went on to enter the political world herself and became the first woman seated in Parliament. And we'll note that she also held views and made some remarks that today give offense and could complicate her legacy, especially considering all the work she did on reform, particularly for women. And so Nancy Astor celebrated in 2019 with a new statue in Plymouth, which she represented remains a complicated figure. As the two Nancys exerted their influence on the staid, stuffy traditions of the past, they tried to bring a sense of fun and directness and sparkling humor, which slowly began to crack even the most dour and restrained upper-class expressions. The world at Cliveden became renowned for sought-after entertainments and guests around Nancy Astor's table, which included statesmen and politicians, as well as artists and writers, including Charlie Chaplin, George Bernard Shaw, and Edith Wharton. Both Nancys relied on exceptional domestic help to create these memorable entertaining experiences. The staff from the mirador of their childhoods was nearly part of the family, and they brought that similar feeling to English homes. Social operations at Cliveden were managed by the imposing, although benevolent and charming English butler, Mr. Lee, who, as you will hear, could likely have had a career managing political negotiations. The core of great entertaining is, of course, the food, well-prepared and plenty of it. And Emily and Jane's book, Entertaining in Style, incorporates their memories and family histories of both Mirador and Cliveden, along with dozens of recipes that they knew since childhood. The collection includes French-inspired classics and some internationally influenced dishes that all enchanted, perhaps challenged, and in the end, I think, excited the traditional British palate. Smoked Virginia ham with pickled peaches, chicken gumbo, corn fritters, and roast loin of pork all mingled with baked haddock fillets, kedgeri of salmon, fish cakes, gazpacho, crepe normande, and pomme bonne femme. A rare discovery by Jane Churchill of a unique cache of recipes from the tables of Mirador led to the evolution and creation of this book. I'm now going to take a brief break to refill my teacup here, and when I come back, we will enter the worlds of Mirador and Cliveden and celebrate both Nancy Lancaster and Nancy Astor and meet and have a talk with Emily Astor and Jane Churchill. Justin and so good. 
thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. We are celebrating the world of great English country house style and the influence of interior designer Nancy Lancaster and great hostess Nancy Astor. And to give us special insight into this world, I'm joined today by two of their descendants, Emily Astor and Jane Churchill. Emily Astor is Nancy Astor's granddaughter. She trained as a photographer and worked in the London publishing world. She has worked extensively on the Astor archives, and she retains her family connections to Virginia and now runs a farm in Scotland. Jane Churchill is Nancy Astor's great-great-niece and the great-niece of Nancy Lancaster. She began her career working at Colfax and Fowler and now, under her own company and brand, is well-known in Britain and internationally as an interior designer. Both Emily and Jane grew up at Cliveden and know the great homes of Cliveden and Mirador well. Emily and Jane, I'm so happy to welcome you today to the Gilded Gentlemen. Well, thank you for asking us. So glad you are both here. This is the story, in essence, of two strong American women who had enormous influence on British society, culture, and politics. Both were born in Virginia 18 years apart during what we would call America's Gilded Age, and both lived their later lives in England. They were both members of the great Langhorne family, yet how were these women similar, and maybe more importantly, how were they different? Well, I think they both had enormous energy, which um, a lot of the women in our family seem to have, and they were very family-minded, both of them as well. As far as difference are concerned, they, I mean, they looked very different as well, I think, too. I think one of the similarities was really this incredibly strong love of Virginia and Mirador, mm. which just was continued through their entire lives. I mean, Nancy Astor always said that she never felt as happy as she was in Mirador, and, you know, they loved it greatly. They both had a huge sense of humour, I would say, and sense of style. What do you think it was that made Nancy so happy at Mirador? I think she was essentially very much a country girl. She loved riding, and Mirador, when she moved there, when she was 12, was the first place she could have ponies, dogs, and lots of animals. I mean, she even had a parrot, apparently, that she tried 
all the time to talk but felt dismally but she just loved it and she loved riding she was a really really good rider yes both women were great equestrians and how did that help their entrance into british society when they first came over to england well when they felt when nancy lancaster when her first husband died as you know she's married to henry field the marshall field family and he died, I think it was of appendicitis. And then she married his cousin, Ronnie Tree, and they came to England and they, and they rented Kelmarsh. But the reason for that was because it was near good hunting. There's a picture of her in the book of her riding and she rode side saddle and wore a veil and it was just, and she looked amazing. And one of the footmen said that he'll never forget what she looked like. I and mean, if he sees her when he dies, he knows he's woken up in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jane, you had said a few minutes ago uh, how different they actually looked. Well, I think Aunt Nancy, was, Aunt Nancy Astor was very, was quite small, wasn't yeah. she? Yes. And very minute. And I would have said Aunt Nancy Lancaster was bigger, yes. Was sort of taller and bigger boned and just a, a bigger person. But they were both extremely attractive in their own way. Well, going back to when you said about equestrians, I think, as you um, probably know, Nancy Astor was married first to Robert Shaw. And when she got divorced, she was thought the end of her life, had, you know, that was it, and she'd never meet anyone else again. So she went over with her sister Phyllis to Leicestershire one year and to go hunting. And that opened up another whole world for her. So she went two years in a row, I think. And one of the women, you know, the English women were rather uptight about these two rather beautiful Americans arriving. And one of them said, oh, I suppose you've come to steal one of our husbands. Whereupon she looked back very quickly and said, if you knew the trouble I had getting rid of mine, I don't want yours. (laughs) That's such a wonderful quote. This is also the story of two Houses, the Virginia estate Mirador, and of course the centuries old British country house Cliveden. And I always like to think that houses like people have distinct personalities too, or they certainly can. So I'm curious what parallels you might see or you might think have existed between those two houses, Mirador and Cliveden. Well, Mirador was obviously much smaller than, than Clifton, but I think it's really what Aunt Nancy has to put into it that made it so wonderful. You know, it was just very much sort of for family home, and the, it was just and it was always comfortable, and she had good food. She always had wonderful staff um, who were amusing and part, who, you know, became very much part of the family. Um, and I think that they both achieved that with their houses. I agree, because I think at Mirador, everybody who helped them there, they were very, very close to, and they called them aunt and uncle, and they adored them. And so that whole trend of people who worked for them continued when they got to England. There was such a wonderful comment in the book that neither Nancy could really boil water. So it was really up to the cooks and the staff that that took care of them. And I, I believe the butler, was it Lee at Cliveden, was quite legendary. Mr. Lee, yes, I remember him, actually. <laughs> In fact, his wife was called Emily, so it was always a thought that maybe I'd been named after her, but hopefully I had, I don't know. But he was just charming and incredibly regal, type of man who could have been a prime minister, really, or a president. He was sort of well, in a way, I suppose he was, giving everything he had to manage, yes. And on Nancy Nags, they have one called Mr. Dean, who was at Haysley. And then he went to the British Embassy in Washington. And he wrote to my mother and said, I'll soon have this place ship-shaped like Haysley. Now, Cliveden has been enormously important for, for both of you. Could you each share some memories of, 
Cliveden, Jane, you were talking about it, Christmases a few minutes ago. Are there, are there others when you think of Cliveden? Are there memories that you had growing up that are particularly special? Well, I think the thing about Aunt Nancy is when we were children, she made, always made us feel important. She made us feel that, you know, she... And I, I mean, Emily found... She kept everything. Emily found the thank you letters that my sister Melissa and I, my brother Henry, had written from, you know, every thank you letter for our Christmas presents. It's all been kept. And then she wrote to my mother, went to Foxcroft in Virginia, and she wrote to them every month, to her and her sister. You know, I mean, she was incredibly thoughtful when it came to family. And I think that's why Clifton became a sort of hub for followed then by Hazley. Um, well, I was born there, so that was a wonderful place to have been born. And of course, as a child, it was an amazing place to grow up because you could ride your bicycle anywhere, um, ride your pony anywhere, although every day we went riding with, you know, not alone, but accompanied. But it was just, you know, it was a wonder, as a child, it was wonderful. And it wasn't until you were grown up that you realised how incredibly spoiling it was to be there. And I... One of the main things I remember actually was when the Beatles came and filmed Help. <laughs> Did you get to watch? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and then they had a, I never forget, at the back garden, too, those wonderful hedges that go up towards the, he- the Thames. And they had a relay race between the Beatles and the people on the production side of it. Who won? I'm afraid to say I think the production team. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, two of the world's really greatest traditions of hospitality, uh, of course, come from the American South, as well as the centuries-old social institutions of Britain. So Nancy Astor and Nancy Lancaster were really masters of blending these two traditions to really create something new. So where do you each think those two traditions of the American South and, and British culture and hospitality, where do they actually overlap? And how are they entirely different? Well, I think it became much less grand when they were there. I mean, Mario Boata said when Nancy Lancaster blew into town, England livened up um, because they just made it much more. Um, I mean, I think the food wasn't as fussy. I mean, I think Nancy Astor always said the best was to have English food cooked by a French chef. Now, speaking of food, let's turn specifically to food. So the basis of the book is really, truly, this unique collection of recipes we'll call the Mirador Cookbook. Can you talk about just what that is and how that came to be and how you discovered it? The Mirador Cookbook's a bound, uh, red leather bound copy, and it says Mirador on the front, WAs. It must have been bound by Nancy's husband, Uncle Waldorf. And there's more than one copy, actually, because Aunt Nancy's granddaughter, Aunt Nancy Lancaster's granddaughter's got one. But I found this when we were... Um, clearing out all my grandmother, Nancy Lancaster's sister's things. And um, it's not only recipes from Mirador and their houses, but it includes ones from some of their friends as well. And it just seemed sort of sad to, to you know, not do anything with it. But I thought, well, there's no point writing a book on just a recipe book. I mean, a bit of a joke if I'd done that. So, you know, it seemed I, I wanted to do it sort of with an angle. Now, the collection of the recipes in Entertaining with Style, mirroring, of course, the Mirador cookbooks, is this wonderful combination of the American South, of classic French, and also some a bit more exotic things thrown in. Can you talk about how that reflected how both Nancy's entertained? 
Well, I think also in this recipe book, it's good because it combines recipes that could be used for small dinner parties or large dinner parties, which, of course, was the case for both of them, because half the time nobody ever knew how many people were going to be there for dinner. Um, and they can either be grand or not grand at all, really, formal or informal. So dinners at Clifton... Well, I was never really old enough to stay up for dinner, I have to say, but... <laughs> lunches I do remember much better and so many of the recipes in there I like the baked haddock I can remember and many of the egg recipes they were still used you know. so tell us about a wonderful lunch what would that have been like a wonderful lunch well um, often an egg dish to start with was very common and a souffle or an omelette or no they used to have I used to remember they had Almost like hard-boiled eggs and or poached eggs with a like eggs Florentine or hard-boiled eggs with a cheesy sauce and a bit of ham or something like that. Really quite simple, and then maybe some roast chicken or fish. Nothing too heavy ever. Is there one particular dish or recipe for each of you that you remember, particularly that smell and that taste? We all seem to have them from our childhood. Is there anything that we can find in the book today? Well, I was looking purpose. through the book and just to remind myself and I'd forgotten how incredibly delicious the kedgeri is and there, there was a, we had a boat which was on the Thames so you know, in nice weather we would go off and there would be huge picnics and wonderful picnic, wicker picnic baskets and flasks of soup and this and that but there was always kedgeri made with salmon. Can you describe kedgeri for our American listeners? They may not be as familiar. <laughs> kedgeri is a mix of any fish really, but it is particularly good with salmon, rice, hard-boiled eggs, chopped parsley makes it more delicious and definitely more attractive, and you mix it all up together, having cooked it all, with cream and butter, but a little bit more cream, so it's not... <laughs> I would like a double helping of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to return to a discussion of style for a little bit. What would have been for you, the key elements, both for Nancy Astor and for Nancy Lancaster in a successful party or dinner, what do you think they both would have thought were the essential parts of that? Well, I think, um, obviously, they, they mixed guests very well together, but and, and often family were included, but it was never, nothing was ever, you never felt it was frightening and over grand, you know, it was always, and certainly at Nancy Lancaster's house, you know, she always had dogs and flowers looked as though they'd been done, you know, they weren't professionally done, they were think, ones that from the garden and the cow parsley and mixed with things like that. So it was very homely, I think the same. I think a mixture of people was always very interesting, mm-hmm. and they didn't seem to mind if it was a po- at Clifton, particularly if it was a politician, a garden designer, a member of the royal family, a member of their own family. It was just all mixed up. Are there any particular aspects of, of their entertaining style that you both use in your entertaining today? Well, I think one thing, they, everything, pre- presentation was always, it was always very well presented too. And I can remember my mother, you know, talking about when she was, if we were having people something, you know, doing menus, it was always, you know, colour was all, you wouldn't have, you know, like uh, eggs, chicken, whatever, so it was all white. Colour was very important as well. And I can remember her talking about that, and that she had got from my grandmother and Nancy Lancaster and Nancy Lancaster. And you do that today? Yes. I agree with Jane entirely. Presentation, mm. and I think pretty napkins, mm. flowers on the table, good food, 
plenty of it probably you don't want your guests being hungry and just interesting people I mean what's really boring is if you've got incredibly dull people at the yeah, table and good food <laughs> and Aunt Nancy always had wonderful silver too because mm. she she and she loved China she had wonderful China it seems so clear that really the keys to a successful entertaining is a, is a combination of, of elements that appeal to all of one's senses. Yes, be- delicious food and the visual aspects of a room, even the sound of music and good conversation. Do you think both Nancys would have agreed with that? Oh, yes, definitely. But it was sort of, obviously, because they were lucky enough to have wonderful staff, it was sort of done effortlessly. one of nancy lancaster's comments on interior design and style that i particularly loved was she said i like to throw things together and see how they get along can you talk about that because that really takes some skill right it's not just throwing things together well she always said she was a percolator not a decorator which is sort of the same thing but she just sort of had this amazing eye and it's the same in her garden because after all she wasn't trained but I mean and she did work with professionals as well but I think she really had the last word on how they were laid out and the gardens at at Kelmarsh, Ditchley and Haisley are still there still kept up today so that says a lot about her too. Nancy Lancaster suffered great tragedy in her life at various times really from the deaths of her parents to, to two unsuccessful marriages she said that she found the process of designing her homes, including Mirador and even Hazley later in life, healing. Do you think that decorating and entertaining can actually be healing on some level? Well, I think if you enjoy it, first of all, just when you go, and she also lost a daughter at a very young age. Her parents died within a month of each other, but she was older then, by then. But I think that if any, whenever you go through bad times, distraction is one of the best way to get round it. And if you're doing something that you really enjoy and that you can see coming together, um, it, that must help. No, I think that's absolutely right because time is a healer, but if you mm. sit and wallow about something, it doesn't make you feel any better. It probably mm. makes you feel a lot worse. Um, you make a comment in the book about uh, Nancy Lancaster's in- intuitive talent, and this is the quote that I would like to share. Everything she achieved at Kelmarsh and Ditchley was that dream of Mirador under English skies, a luxurious simplicity, a coziness among the grandeur, revealing a lightness of touch that was her genius. Can you both comment on that? And what in the end do you think was the individual genius of of both Nancys? Well, she definitely was original. And, you know, the things that she did then hadn't been done before, I suppose, in, in houses as well. And I, I can remember, uh, I used to sleep, and um, I was quite young, she had a, this wonderful bedroom which was done in sort of brown and beige, sort of grease-eye wallpaper with a white four-poster bed. But I must have been quite young because I had to take a running jump to get into it. Um, and then she had this beautiful wallpaper in what was a, used as a sort of card room because she'd managed, it was a hand-painted one and she'd managed to get the King of Sweden to give her a piece. It's at Drottningholm and she copied it. And then I read that George Oakes, who um, was the man who painted it in England, um, they did the sort of leaves with egg white because then they shine more. Even though you both knew Nancy Astor and Nancy Lancaster, if you were to sit down with them today here and either ask them anything or perhaps even tell them something, what would it be for each of you? 
oh, I think I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> you know, more fun. Bring back your no-nonsense yes. and get on with that attitude, I think. And so with that, I thank you both so very much for joining me today on The Gilded Gentleman. It has been such a pleasure to wander back to Mirador and to Cluden and talk about your memories of spending time there. I'm very grateful that you were with me today. Thank, thank you so much. So do please continue to spend time in this world and with Emily and Jane with a copy of their book, Entertaining in Style, just published by Rizzoli. And with that, thank you, my listeners, for joining me today on The Gilded Gentleman. The Gilded Gentleman is produced by Bowery Boys Media. I invite you to join The Gilded Gentleman on Patreon and become a patron of the show. Visit patreon.com slash thegildedgentleman and join today and access bonus audio segments, preview material, as well as invitations to live and virtual events. So I'll see you soon. And what's life without a little glint of gold? It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.